Ayo, welcome into the CHGO White Sox postgame show live from the CHGO studios, Studio A here in the West Loop of Chicago. Still figuring how, how this works without a presenting sponsor. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I mean make I mean, it your own. Whatever even, you want to say. Even back in our old radio days, we, we always had a presenting Some sponsor. Some type of sponsor, you know? Yeah. So, you know, we, we, we love DraftKings Sportsbook. Shout out to DraftKings Sportsbook. <laughs> Download the app today and use promo code CHGO when you use fun. Sign up. I mean, give them extra love is not a bad thing, always. Right. I mean, you know, just a little sprinkle. I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. You can follow the show on Twitter at CHGO underscore White Sox. And alongside me is Herb Lawrence. Hello. You can follow him on Twitter at uh, Ecknerwall23. He's our CHGO White Sox community uh, community leader. I was going to mention your Goose Island uh, beer that you had in your hand. Um, and then I was going to say, you know, I saw the, the cooler behind you that says, drink goose, have fun. You are drinking goose, but it doesn't seem like you're having fun. Uh, I mean, I always have fun drinking goose and drink some yesterday. Not had because my, of the goose. No. Second time I've ever, I mean, first time I've ever had the Matilda. You can see Steven's hand back there. Boom! The Goose Island right behind me is now illuminated. But, yeah, um, it's not Goose Island's fault the White Sox suck. It makes it a little less sucky when you drink this Goose Island. Yesterday I had a delicious Matilda. You guys should go out and get it. Matilda, I know I'm not breaking news to you guys, but I had it for the first time, and I was like, okay. It's my favorite beer now. It's the hops that help you relax, folks. Uh, the White Sox today played the Seattle Mariners, mm. and they lost. Yeah. Five to one. White Sox lose two of three against the Mariners and against uh, playoff teams in this stretch. Uh, they just continue to lose. Herb, uh, just specifically about the White Sox baseball and how they've been performing lately, are you having fun with that? No. Oh. Not at all. It's doing exactly what I thought it was going to do is compete. They're battling these teams. They're not getting blown out necessarily by any of these teams, but coming up short because of the lack of power, lack of hitting, the lack of clutch bullpen performances. Well, if you put in Ronaldo Lopez, you deserve whatever result you get. Um, but they have to win by the slimmest of margins, and when you go against good teams, those good teams don't give you those margins and they take advantage of the margins that they get. And so that's what happened with the Mariners. That's what happened with the Dodgers. We're going to be playing the Texas Rangers, who are the second-best team in the American League. That's going to happen there, too. So this is not a good stretch at all for the White Sox. They need to come out of this stretch no worse than, like, like real close to 500. Not total record, but in the month of June. I don't know what it turned out to be. I know it was 6-4 and four. now. It should be, uh, like, two games below 500. They had to find a way to get a couple games over these Texas Rangers or over the Boston Red Sox at home this week. Instead of if they get two out of three by both those teams, you might catch this thing a goodbye. I'm pretty sure their record in June is eight and seven, so they are still one game above 500 um, in the month of June. But in the last 12 games against playoff teams, uh, five and seven, and their best series was against the Yankees. But you talk about the margins and the margins that those good teams give you. Sometimes you catch a break, and Aaron Judge was injured right before that series, and he did not play a single game on June 6th, June 8th, uh, hitting the IL, uh, I believe, on the 7th. So the White Sox got a break in the fa fact that they you know, didn't have to face Aaron Judge. And you talk about those margins, too. Uh, a walk-off 2-1 to win against Miami, um, a close uh win against uh, the Mariners on Saturday for three. Um, and you also had a 3-2 loss that ended up uh, falling apart uh, on Friday. Um, and the White Sox also lost a walk-off against the Dodgers. So uh, and even a 5-6 a game um, against the Marlins where they blew a 5-1 lead. Yep. Like, I mean, there are just consistent times where you almost had the win and you almost, you know, just let it go multiple times. Uh, I, they're not really a inspiring bunch and that's what we keep coming back to like you know dan says this team sucks correct amen uh you know and we're gonna talk a little bit about pedro Grafal a little bit later in his uh bitter attitude um but we got to talk about something a lot more fun before exactly. we start talking about this uh this team that's now 11 games under 500 lancelin herb has he been a, has he been a positive at all <laughs> this year no, he has not. He has been a net negative. One of the people that most of the fans have wanted to DFA him, even without the presence of a person that's going to replace him. They're like, DFA him. I don't care. He's like uh, Keiko. And we here on uh, CHGO pretty much said, yes, he's pitched poorly. 
But firstly, we know he's going to pitch better than that. And then secondly, DFA him after you've already DFA'd Jake Deakman this year, after you've already DFA'd Lurie Garcia this year. How much money do you think Jerry Reinsdorf has just to DFA players? And there's nobody, no viable option to replace him. So, yeah, Lance has been a net negative this whole year. Now, today, man, man's put that thing together. Cutter, sinker, changeup, curveball. Everything was working for him. A slider every once in a while. Man, man, like this is the best performance of any White Sox pitcher this year. I could say that bar none. Absolutely. It might be one of the best performances in franchise history, folks. Um, Lance Lynn on the day, seven innings pitched, three earned runs, four hits, six Ks, uh, and that was not a typo. Uh, six. I like that. Oh, 16. Jesus. See, I can't, I'm not even in belief. Uh, 16 strikeouts, not a typo, ties a franchise record, um, and two walks on the day for Lance Lynn. Bryce Miller on the other bump for the Mariners, seven innings, one earned run, four hits, six Ks. There you go. Uh, and no walks. And I did miss this earlier. Happy Father's Day. Uh, I see uh, Victor Von Doom, uh, Clark, Mailman Jack. I'm pretty sure all y'all are fathers and anybody else who was watching a uh, happy Father's Day. We aren't even at 16 likes, by the way. So Lance Lynn currently has us beat uh, with uh, strikeouts on the day. 16 is insane. Um, and let's put it into big perspective here. Uh, most strikeouts in a game for a white sock. Uh, Lance Lynn, again, ties the franchise record with 16 on June 18th, 2023. Uh, 2023, uh, Jack Harshman uh, in the second game of a doubleheader on July 25th in 1954 had 16Ks. Chris Sale did it tw- uh, had 15 strikeouts twice, uh, once August 16th, 2015, and another time May 28th, 2012. Ed Walsh did it twice back in 1908 and 1910, uh, October 2nd and August 11th of uh, the 8th and 10th year of the year of our Lord, 1900. Um, and then Jim Scott had 15, June 22nd, 1913. Um, Herb, why was Ed Walsh's second performance striking out 15 your favorite? <laughs> oh, man, I remember Big Ed Walsh. He was the guy right there <laughs> back in aught 10. Oh, great, great years. Well, it's funny that, like, all you look, you hear all about, like, you know, strikeouts are so up around the league. And three of those names are pre-1960. Yeah. Well, those pitchers all I pitched mean, the, the full Vietnam game. The Vietnam War wasn't over. I guarantee you all those pitchers pitched nine innings straight that whole game. Lance did this in seven innings plus and just dominant. Like he has, and Stephen alerted us to this before the game, he has a history with the Seattle Mariners and how well he does versus them. Maybe it's that ballpark. Maybe it was the closed roof. I don't know. Something was working today. His movement was great. His confidence was on 10. You didn't really see him cuss a lot from uh, for himself because I think his control and his command of his pitches was exactly where it needed to be today. Sometimes that you get that premium stuff, and you were working with, like, the glow. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie The Last Dragon. No. With uh, Bruce Leroy? No. It's an old movie. You probably, you know. I never got you know, into karate movies. It was a good movie, but the thing is, is... The glow makes you, like, the best. It makes you better than you can be ever. Um, And it's uh, just this ethereal aura above you. And that's what he had. He had the glow today, just striking out Seattle Mariners left and right. Barely any hard-hit balls off him either. I think he had one hard-hit ball the whole game. And that is hard to do in the MLB anytime for any pitcher, much less a guy who's been struggling for most of the season. I mean, he struggled last game in the first inning, and then he settled in. And I remember people like, oh, stop giving him a break. Like, he gave up four runs. And eventually, I think he gave up the uh, the fifth run in the while he left. But he gave up four runs last game. It was all in the first inning for the most part. But we saw him settle in second, third, fourth, fifth inning, doing much better. And today was the continuation of that, and he looked excellent. I applaud Pedro for allowing him to go out after the 98 pitches in the sixth inning and pitched that seventh inning, which we was, he was beautiful in that one. I think he struck out two guys in that inning, too. Yeah, and then in the eighth, he faces one batter. Colton Wong bunts for a single. Um, and really, I mean, the only time he had traffic on the base paths is when the earned runs come, uh, which isn't super shocking. But in the third, uh, J-Rod doubled to right, scoring Crawford and Raleigh, who I think Raleigh was on for a hit, and then Crawford walked. And then uh, Kalanick tripled the center, which then scored um, Crawford, who or, or somebody who... Uh, scored all three of the runs that yeah. were on the bases at the, but in the eighth inning. Where was Wong? 
He got he got a forced out. Okay, but how yeah. is that then? Lance's earned run. That's what somebody asked. I think that was a uh, Patrick Nolan asked that it since you replaced the guy who got out, it still counts as your earned run, even though that's your guy that you faced. If you would, I don't know why it works that's that right. way, but right. it, technically he only gave up two of his earned run, two of his run runners. Yeah, right. So I mean, uh, Lance was extremely dominant today. Reynaldo Lopez was not, um, but that doesn't Ugh. matter because the White Sox could not do anything offensively. But let's put it more into perspective of Lance's career as well. Most strikeouts in a game for Lance Lynn, sixteen is the most career high, uh, and he passed it. Wow. I think what in the fifth inning, um, he had twelve Ks three times in a game. His last. On September 22nd, 2019, before he was a white sock, and 11 Ks six times in his career, and the last time was September 5th, 2022, against the Mariners in Seattle. Look at that. So the last time he faced the Mariner, he was dominant. Stephen Nicholas walked in today and said, hey, Lance Lynn has great career numbers against the Mariner. And I said, have you seen Lance Lynn's numbers this year? I don't think Jesse Schultons could do that. No. Like, that's the thing is... Jesse Schultons couldn't pitch five games to get 16 strikeouts. I I don't think Jordan Lyles has done that in his career. I don't know if Jordan Lyles has had 12Ks in his career. That's the thing with Lance is I understand that he has been so frustrating to watch, has given up a home run in basically, I think, what, 11 of his 15 starts this year, um, near the top and most home runs allowed. But Mm -hmm. he can pitch quality innings. You know, maybe if he pitches seven innings in a game, he gives you four quality innings out of you know the seven. Not great. I'm not defending his pitching this year, but the reason you can't DFA him is because that would be an extremely competitive market to acquire Lance Lynn. If Lance Lynn has another two, three more starts like this, and maybe it's a dead cat bounce, you could possibly sell him. Like, yes. I, I mean, that's that's the thing. He does have a team option next year, which you know the White Sox could pick up because again, the starting pitching options for 2024 don't look too promising. But, I don't know, this was really good for Lance because it shows the craftiness. And, yes, he's had success before against this Mariner right-handed heavy team. But we saw some new wrinkles against lefties that were extremely successful for him. I think he brought out, and it was in the first inning that uh, Jason and Gordon Beckham brought it up, that he brought out the the changeup, which he often, like, he doesn't use that at all. Like, the changeup and the curveball, I think, both are like 7% of his pitches each during this year. And he brought those out and styled it, especially with the four or five lefties that they had. It was good to bring the changeup to keep them honest. And then I think he struck out one of his last batters on a changeup inside, same hand uh, changeup. And it was a, a beauty, a thing of beauty. I don't know if he's been working with Lucas Giolito or just felt today. He's like, hey, let me up the ante and up the usage of my curveball, my changeup. Because it was working. They were off balance all day long. I've never seen a team this year do what Lance Lynn made this this professional hitting team do. He made them look silly with good stuff, but not like, man, he's throwing 100. I don't know how they're not hitting him. 93, 94, and then change up slider, curveball, cutter. Pretty dominant for a, a guy who's been battered around this whole year. And if they DFA'd him, Houston Astros would pick him up immediately. Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim would pick him up immediately. Dodgers. Oh, hell, oh, the Oakland Athletics would pick him up. It's like, hey, we play in Seattle too. Dodgers. Well, all these teams I mean, with he, a bunch of uh, injuries would pick him up and guarantee he wouldn't necessarily be this, but he would return to form. I, I'm i just looking forward to, as you said, the dead cat, cat bounce. Lance Lynn with his next performance versus Boston at home this week should happen on Friday or Saturday, seeing what that performance is looking like. I'm not expecting 16 strikeouts, but I'm expecting Hell him no. to piggyback off of this. This is what he piggybacked off of the Dodgers start while he lost and didn't feel good about it. I'm sure he took something away from those last innings that he pitched, and that's what he took today's game. And they takes from today's game and takes it to the Boston Red Sox at home. I think he can be a valuable member of this White Sox team that is still looking for that AL Central crown, only still five and a half out, even though they got leapfrogged by the Detroit Tigers today. Hey, um... Shout out to Hasib Mardo for the super chat. Uh, he said, "Not giving Jerry any money, uh, any more money this year. Hope Rakan's gone. It's time for a change. At least Lynn coming back, uh, so we can flip him at the deadline. Maybe. Um, again, they they might need somebody to throw innings because again, five and a half games back. I, I understand that people don't want to hear that, but that's the unfortunate truth. Is the AL Central is horrible. Yes, they've spent 185 million dollars on this team, 
They might just keep Lance Lynn and just see how it goes. They might just have Luis Robert kind of will them to victory because, I mean, you smacked the double that was almost homer today, um, almost had his 18th. I mean, you know, I mean, this guy's a, a superstar player. Not a lot of superstars in this division. I mean, you see the the Twins buying on a budget superstar in Carlos Correa. Two mm-hmm. teams passed him up trying to give him an actual real contract, and they're like, eh, that goes a little iffy. Here. Or uh, souring on Byron Buxton too. Some right. of them are. I mean, he, he, even Correa is batting like two fourteen right now. Yeah, I mean, he, he just saved himself with I think a, a walk off homer and a triple recently. So I mean, he's 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 picked it up a little bit, but I mean, it's it's been tough. But hey, uh, they're still number one in the American League Central. Um, let's go to Lance Lynn's pitches today um, and just talk about this um, and, and just the stuff um, you brought up. The Sarah Langs tweet since twenty. Uh, 2008, I'm sorry, uh, since pitch tracking, uh, Lance Lynn had tied the, uh, was tied for second most swings and misses with 33 uh, out of any start postseason or regular season. Uh, I think three other players had 35 swings and misses in a game. Uh, no, not this one, Stephen. I'm sorry. Uh, we'll, we'll go to this one after. Um, yeah, yeah, we'll yeah go to that stuff. one was I'm that. sorry. Jacob DeGrom in 20, Danny Duffy in 16, and Clayton Kershaw in 15. Danny Duffy. I would not yeah. have gotten that name. But remember, um, the Royals were good. Danny Duffy was pretty decent then. All those guys had 35 swings and misses during crazy. those uh, years. Um, and Lance Lynn was right behind them. That's nuts. Uh, Lance Lynn today threw his cutter mostly. Um, that's a departure of what it has been. Uh, through that, 32% of the time, usually at thirty or 26%. So you see an increase of about, like, what, 7% there. His forcing fastball was typically his most used pitch on the year, 43.5% this year or today, uh, 23%. So you see a rapid uh, or a sharp uh decline in the usage of that pitch um his sinker he used it 18 time percent today which is about a four percent increase uh, on the year his curveball he saw a lot of usage of that today uh 18 percent uh today and 7.4 percent this year um so nearly doubling it or, or more than doubling uh his usage on that today and then his changeup uh used it about three more percent of the time uh, and was extremely effective for him today usually throwing that about 7.4 percent of the time uh through it about 10 percent of the time today and then let's talk about the results of those pitches um 11 swings and misses mm. uh out of 21 <laughs> swings on his cutter that's insane uh, seven swings and misses on his fastball and 16 swings, uh, six whiffs on 10 swings of his curveball, four swings and misses on seven sinkers, and five whiffs wow. on seven swings. A whiff percentage of 54%. That is fucking bonkers um to be to be uh my, i got my doctorate degree that's what we, we that's fucking bonkers that's in the doctorate at, world yeah um, medical school absolutely yeah. uh called strike called strikes and whiffs uh 43 which set a career high for lance lynn as well 38 percent called strike plus whiff percentage the man doesn't really seem like somebody who is shaken you know that's that's the one thing it's just like there's not a lot of guys with his makeup with his longevity it could be a dead cat bounce I mean, we saw Johnny Cueto. I mean, he was just healthy. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if Lance is now just trusting his knee more. We don't see a spike in velocity, oh. right? It was just he trusted himself to be more of a pitcher. Hey, I'm going to use all of my pitches. I'm going to try to keep these guys off balance. And not only was he keeping them off balance, they just couldn't hit the damn ball. Like, oh. I mean, it was just impressive. And, and think about all the teams that he's faced this year and how many, as you said, like, 11 of 15 starts, giving up home runs. People have been seeing him and seeing him right, like middle, middle fastballs, and that's probably one of the reasons why he cut down the, the four-seam fastball usage and up the ante on all the rest of the pitches And because probably they have a book on him. And it's like, okay, you're going to get a hittable fastball early in the count, so get ready for it, and that's what most teams have been doing. But, no, he's been keeping people off balance, curveball early, cutter that was just outside the zone just offside the zone so it's tantalizing enough and getting people to swing and miss easily but like you got to give it to him like I understand people want to dwell on the rest of the season we've already talked about those individual games when those individual games happen this is as dominant I've seen this pitcher in a while and dominant as I've seen a White Sox pitcher in a while now if you can get this and bottle this and get some type of version of this now you got Lucas Giolito being the ace of the staff. You saw the performance you got from Dylan Cease the other day. Michael Kopech is hit or miss. But if Lance Lynn is this or close to this, and then you get Mike Clevenger back every once in a while, he can pitch a performance like he did versus the L.A. Dodgers, 
then you're cooking with real gas because then the starters are out there throwing up zeros all the time. And, yes, the offense has been the most of the bugaboos for the White Sox. But as with Lance Lynn, he wasn't going to be as bad as he was the whole year. And I believe the same thing for the offense. They are not going to be as bad as they have been the whole year. Speaking of, like, the guy who sat out the last couple games, Tim Anderson, whenever he comes back, I don't believe he'll be as bad as he is and all the Mm -hmm. rest of the lineup. Like, what we get from Aloy Jimenez and what we get from Luis Robert and sometimes from Jake Berger, those players have been performing at a good to better level. All the rest have failed. All the rest have been below average. I can't believe that can still go out for another three months. Yeah, well, not everyone. Maybe some of them has to come up to the level, and they don't need a lot more, as we said. The slimmest of margins, but one or two runs more. The White Sox are having a better record than eleven games under five hundred because their pitching staff has kept them in for most games. And that's the thing is, you know, if Lance Lynn improves the quality, I mean, that's just better for the White Sox chances to to climb back in here. Um, we did see a little bit of Lance finding his uh, footing last year. Um, after July 23rd, 14 games, Lance had an ERA of 252, 89 strikeouts to 10 walks. So, again, if he's limiting the walks, only two today, um, you know, may- maybe that leads to more success for Lance. Uh, and we hope so because that's the only way the White Sox can really uh, turn things around is if they have this core turn around. Lance Lynn is a part of that core. Um, let's take a quick break, and we'll talk about uh, what Zachary mentions. Uh, Lynn performs like this, and he gets the loss. Embarrassing for the offense. If I'm Lance, I'm pissed. He always seems pissed. Oh, yeah. So, but it, I mean, he know. can't be too pissed because there's been a couple times where he's gone out and not give his team, a team well, a chance to win. And our guy Clark, too, saying uh, the no-hitter that he had that turned into a 10-round meltdown last month, uh, there's been signs of, hey, here, here is Lance being dominant, and then... You know, it's just one bad inning that really derails most of it. Um, and then can you scroll up just a little bit more? Um, shout out uh, to Alex, Alec, too, who's saying uh, happy Father's Day to all the diehard dads as well. Uh, he's not a father, but, hey, you know, salute. I and saw a guy today got a diehard gift pack from his wife and kids hey. and joined the Discord. He's Ooh, like, that's sweet. his wife got, got him this, this present. Yes. Uh, and then also Trooper uh, Galactus, star that one. We're going to get to that uh, right after the break. Want to let you know about our friends over at game time. Game time is the best ticket app out there, folks. A lot of people stress. I know a lot of people have anxiety. A lot of people get worried. A lot of people get sweaty palms. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. You already got enough stress in your life. You got bills. You got work. I mean, you, it's, it's Father's Day. You got kids, right? I don't. I, I, no, you don't, but I'm talking to the, you know, oh, okay. I'm talking to the dad out there. Um, Anyways, uh, Game Time is the fastest and easiest way to buy tickets to all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. Maybe your kids are driving you crazy. Maybe you're like, hey, I got to get my kids out of the damn house. <laughs> you know? Let's take them to the game. Mm-hmm. Go to Game Time. Maybe it's a day of. Maybe it's a spur of the moment thing. You go to Game Time. You can find the last or killer deals on last minute tickets with their best price guarantee. And you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun you'll have or all the distractions you'll be able to give to your lovely, lovely kids. And forget money, planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. And the Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section in row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. And again, your time is very, very important. And that's why they help you as fast as they can. Herb looked and got the game time guarantee difference down in Atlanta and got 100% of his difference in 12 minutes. 12 minutes. Snag of tickets without the stress. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code CHGO for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code CHGO for $20 off. Maybe you forgot to get your, uh, your, your husband or your, your pops. A Father's Day present. Maybe you haven't seen them yet. Use code CHGO. Take them to the game. Download game time today. Last minute tickets. Lowest price. Guaranteed. Also want to let you know about Lewis University. Your guy Jay Zawoski yep. went there. Uh, we're, we're very uh, happy of and proud of all of our people that we know from Lewis. At Lewis, many of our, their students are adults just like you and have full-time jobs or families. Uh, again, happy Father's Day, folks. All of them chose Lewis's supportive educational community to help make their transition back to school as easy as possible and earn a respected degree. It's 35 miles southwest of Chicago in Romeoville, and it's ranked as U.S. News and World's Report's top-tier colleges. Lewis partners with numerous employees for tuition discounts and offers evening, online, and blended formats to help you balance work, family, and education. And whether you're looking to complete your bachelor's or master's degree or enroll in a professional certified uh, certificate program, Lewis is the right program for you. And Lewis offers several career-focused programs that will set you up for success. And 
one of those is the nursing program. My cousin Maggie uh, didn't love her time in Ball State. I think it was a really competitive nursing program there. And she said, hey, why I be away from my family when I could just be 35 miles uh, southwest of Chicago in Romeoville and have my degree and finish my degree in their nursing program. Uh, that's not even one of the ones that they, they highlight here. Uh, I mean, the nursing program is the one I know all about. I yeah, mean, you're just giving a personal uh, personal uh, opinion right there. It's legit, folks. It is. She's got a job at a top-tier hospital now in Chicago, living out on her own. We're so damn proud of her. Discover how a degree from Lewis University can help you build a better word world. Learn more at lewisu.edu slash you can do this. And my guy, too. Jay Zawoski? No, Jay Struess. Oh, that's your guy? Yeah. That's his guy. No, that's my guy. That's not your guy. No, actually, I heard, I heard a rumor. That's actually Herb's guy. That's my guy. Yeah, I heard that. I didn't hear that. I'm going to be a long Max Struess guy. Long time Max Struess guy. Since doing his games on DePaul on the old 670 of the school. Oh, mercy. Mercy, mercy, mercy. Did you, you ever, uh, did, did Max Struess ever borrow a pencil from you in class? I, no, he, he was younger than me. Oh, okay. Yeah, See? I'm old. See? You are old. Yeah. Um, nice. And you, are you a father? I am not. One of those rare old non-fathers. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you're a young father. You're Andrew Benatendi's dad, right? Oh, jeez. Yeah. I don't know about that. We don't have to take that too far. We're still not even at 16 likes. Folks, Lance Lynch struck out 16. Come on, help us get there, folks. Two more likes. We'd really appreciate it. Um, Let's go to let's go to Pedro Graffoli. Ugh, this oh. bitch. Oh, this what? Huh? Pardon? This dude. I don't know if that's what you said. <laughs> um, of course I did. So... If you looked at the lineup today, mm-hmm. we'll read it as follows, because maybe you didn't watch the game. Maybe you're looking for us for the recap. Leading off, Andrew Benatendi in left field. That works. Batting second, Zach Remillard at second base. Doesn't make sense. Batting third, Luis Robert Jr. in center field. Of course. Batting, Aloy Jimen- uh, batting uh, fourth, Aloy Jimenez, a designated hitter. All right. Batting fifth, Yasmani Grandal at catcher. <laughs> batting sixth, Andrew Vaughn at first base. Yeah. Uh, batting seventh, Gavin Sheets in right field. Okay. Batting eighth, Jake Berger playing third base. Why? And batting ninth, Elvis Andrews at shortstop. Supposed to be there. Jake, uh, I was going to say Jake. Uh, Herb, yep. you want to help me out here? Yeah. Um, Jake Berger is where in the White Sox in home runs? Second. Okay. Zach Remillard just played in his? First. Well. MLG game. I, I would count yesterday as a second. Okay. So, 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 so there you go. That's, some, that, that's some fun math. Um, Herb, how many players had four plate appearances today? I would say five. Close six. Mm. Andrew Vaughn, Yasmani Grandal, Aloy Menes, Luis Robert Jr., Zach Remillard, and Andrew Benatendi. Mm. Herb, what did Zach Remillard do in his last at-bat? Uh, he bunted out. He tried to bunt for a hit. Uh, did Jake Berger get a fourth at-bat? He did not. For a guy that runs into balls every, what, 12 at-bats? Yeah, batting him the second least amount. Not smart. I'm pretty sure I saw a stat today about uh, Christopher Morell and him leading in home runs per plate appearances. Uh, I think Jake Berger's third on that list, and I'm pretty sure uh, he hits it like, I, and I think it's a ridiculous stat, like 3.7 plate, every 3.7 plate appearances he hits a home run. So if he had one more, he might have had a shot at hitting a homer. Let's go to the pregame. Our guy Pedro Graffol and Jake Berger batting eighth. I'm going to put the lineup out there. I think it's going to help us win. I don't have to answer those people who don't like the lineup. He's in the lineup. He's going to get four at-bats. Help us win. Other than that, they can talk to Jerry. Steven, do we have a sound effect for Jake Berger's fourth at-bat? Maybe it's the toilet flushing because he didn't get a fourth at-bat, Herb. They got to flush this series loss. Because they lost another one. 11 games under 500. Uh, Pedro getting all pissy saying you could talk to Jerry. Can we? Exactly. Pass his number I'd over, Pedro. To. And I will call him up. I will, I will have some speaks with Jerry. But also, you're a manager in your first year in Chicago talking spicy to the fan base. And you're 10 games below now, 11 games below 500. Watch your tongue. Watch your tone, Pedro, because you can be out here quickly. I haven't seen anything that you have done that I'm like, okay, Pedro, you're doing out here. You're out here doing work. I got you, Pedro. You can talk as spicy as you want because you got all these skins on the wall and you're producing this winning-ass team. Nope. No. Calm down. 
And don't be talking to the fans spicy like that because you don't got any skins in the wall to be talking to fans like that. If Tony would have talked out of turn to the fans, you could say, hey, man, Tony's got a championship or two, so he, he knows what he's doing. You, on the other hand, don't know what you're doing, and the Royals passed you up to give another man your job. So you better calm down and all that, all that extra talk. And the main point is you put your better hitters closer to the top of the order. So what are you doing giving this rookie player who spent most of his career in the minor leagues? Yes, awesome game, Zach Rimlard on Saturday. Top notch. Eighth for him the next day. Put, put Jake Berger closer, maybe not second, but put Jake Berger up closer to the lineup so he can help you out when you get guys on base so he can uh, bust into one and hit a home run. I mean, it's just not that hard. You guys keep on doing this. The, 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 the resistance to move him out of the top spot. And then when you do, you just move him to the number two spot as if. You're yeah. trolling us, dude. Stop it. Stop it. If Tim – and then before that, like two games before that, he was like, well, I'm not going to move Tim from the leadoff spot. I've never thought about it. And then two days later, you do it to the two spot. What an idiot. I just calm – your, calm your nerves. And don't be talking to White Sox fans like you got it all figured out when you're 11 games behind 500. Absolutely. Come on now. No, a hundred percent. And I, I like we kind of saw a little bit of this all the way back when he took over uh, March fourth. Um, this is the full quote from Merkin on Twitter uh, on Ben Attendee hitting third. I like him in any slot in the order right now. I like him in the three hole. I've got my reasons. We'll address those when the time comes. But I like him in the three hole right now. That's why he's here. It's not by accident. Again, this man isn't really that giving. This man really isn't that supportive of any decision with stats or with logic. It is, this is my choice. Yes. I write the lineup. Why are you questioning me? These are my guys. I'm going to put my guys in there. I I go back to a story that Vinny wrote right after Jake Berger's walk-off Grand Slam uh, on the 4th, and our guy, Pedro, uh, I don't know if he's our guy right now, I truly believe that at some point these guys are going to figure this thing out together. They're going to get hot together. And that's going to be really nice to see. There's a lot of talent here. There's a lot of good work being done. And it's not just monotonous work. It's creative work. It's new stuff, new decision-making, new programs in those machines. There's a lot of stuff being done to help those guys improve and prepare for games. I'm of the belief that this is going to happen at some point, hopefully sooner than later. But if you look at it, we've had guys here that have had incredible years in the past, and they still haven't gotten hot yet. They still haven't. Aloy had his 13-game hitting streak or whatever, but he still hasn't gotten hot yet. Andrew Benatendi hasn't gotten hot yet. TA hasn't gotten hot yet. Luis Robert Jr. has gotten hot for weeks here and there. Overall, those are guys who have done it at this, at this high level that have yet to get hot. They're going to get hot at some point. Maybe it all happens at once. We've got to keep working. And Pedro is a guy that talked about preparation and how that's going to change and how that's going to make the White Sox different and elevate them. The one guy that we have heard that has benefited from those machines, that has benefited from preparing, that has shown consistent preparation at home and has gotten results, is Jake Berger. Correct. What the fuck are you doing? Zach Remillard just got here because he can lay down a bunt? It's fucking stupid. And you're not actually giving any data. It's just bullshit. Like, I, I don't understand... Why you wouldn't put him in a situation, Jake Berger, to drive in runs? Andrew Benatendi just got hot. He hit his first homer. Yay! The Sox <laughs> lost two or three. Tough to get excited about. Yes. Like, Andrew Benatendi has given you professional and consistent at-bats each and every day mm-hmm. up in Seattle. Yes. So what you're going to do is put a guy that's 29 years old making his damn MLB debut behind him to give you just four straight outs? To give you in the ninth inning when you need a base runner, not a hard hit ball, not a quality at bat, let's bunt and see how fast he can run to first. <laughs> what the fuck is this? And I mean, is, is Jack Harshman on the mound? Is it 1954? <laughs> what the fuck? I get it. Suarez was back on third. Because he was throwing out Zach Remillard. Because yes. Zach Re- Remillard ain't shit. And that's why he's been stuck in the White Sox organization for years. No offense to Zach Remillard. But, I mean, he's a triple-A he's a player. He's not even a quad-A player. If he was a quad-A player, we would have seen him. But Danny Mendick's been here before him. Leary's been here before him. Romy. Roger's been here before him. Romy Gonzalez. 
I mean, fuck off with batting him second. It's stupid bullshit. It is, and it's like, I don't know, like, he thinks that Remillard is replacing Tim. I would have had Tim at two, so Remillard has to bat second. No. As Sean just said, this is a career minor leaguer. Great game on Saturday. Fantastic. Bat his ass eighth or ninth because that's where he should be batting as a guy who came up in the middle of the year and didn't even start the game where he had his ass-kickingly great day. So you didn't even trust him. You didn't believe in him. You didn't believe him until he actually did something. Now, have him prove it in the eight or nine spot, not the two spot. That goes to actual people who have been at the major leagues, grinding, doing well, and you don't know what Zach Rimlock. Down in the minors, I don't think his OPS is in the 700s. It's not great. It used to be good, but now people have adjusted to Zach Remillard, and he's become Zach Remillard. Don't bat him second. If Tim's hurt again on Monday and Zach Remillard has to play, put his ass ninth. Put my guy Jake Berger up in the five or six spot at home, especially because he's going to run into a couple in that series. So I, I want to go to Friel uh, up here saying uh, – Jake is five for his last 30 with a 50% K rate. I don't think a spot in the order today was the issue. Um, so since June 4th, 11 games, and actually this isn't including today, so my apologies. I think you can add 0 for 3. He had a hit. Huh? He had a hit. Oh, he had a hit? Yeah, he had the ball off the pitcher's. It was a, oh, okay. it was a rocket, it was a 100, 107 miles per hour with the bat. Okay, so eight of his last 48, not great. No. Seven of those eight hits are extra base hits. That is what I'm saying. The general manager who signed the guy with one home run said, ball goes far, team goes far. Do you know who doesn't make the ball go far? Tim Anderson, Andrew Benatendi, and Zach Remillard, who has been the one and two hitters for the past months. I mean, Zach Remillard's the guy who gets a shot. Not Luis Robert, who has 17 home runs. Oh, God, no. It'd be, it'd be awful for him to get a, a shot to get the most of as possible. I mean, Andrew Benatendi and Luis Robert Jr. won two. That makes no sense. I mean, Aloy Jimenez couldn't drive those guys in. I mean, that makes sense for a one, two, three. Let's give Zach Remillard a shot. Let's just go with the, off. the guy that looks like he's a top-of-the-order guy. He's got speed. I'm wearing shorts and, and stuff like that. Uh, he's, uh, Pedro just goes by feel, and his gut feeling is wrong most of the time. I mean, look at the, look at the offensive results. Like, he, I don't know, he also spoke about Tim. He's like, well, Timmy's gonna, yeah. he's going to go off soon. Watch out. He's going to go off soon. When? It's him hitting the ball with authority that you're seeing this, that, okay, he's just hitting the balls at where people are. No. Tim is hitting ground balls that are hit very weakly. Whatever, say whatever you have to say about Jake Berger. He puts bat to ball. Ball is demolished. That's what I want to see, and that's what you can afford to have in a lineup with a bunch of people who don't hit the ball over the fence. Have a guy that just swings and misses. Or swings and hits the ball out of the ballpark. And to have that guy batting eighth is idiotic. It's 100% idiotic. Well, and Ozzy and Chuck had a reaction to this on the pregame, so I'll, I'll read it to the folks and we'll see what type of reaction it gets from Herb. Uh, but Tim Anderson did not play Sunday after leaving Saturday's 4-3 win against the Mariners in 11 innings, and he was replaced uh, by Zach Remillard with, uh, after the team said Tim left with right shoulder soreness. Uh, Tim did not speak to... The reporters before Sunday series, uh, mm -hmm. he declined a request to talk. Um, and Pedro did speak pregame, and I'm reading this from Daryl Vance Gowan over at the Chicago Sun-Times. I believe Merkin was also with him. Uh, but Pedro said, quote, I think he's doing okay. I talked to him, wished him a happy Father's Day, haven't really checked up on his arm yet. I will, but we were, we were going to give him the day off, or give him the day today. Let him enjoy his Father's Day because, before I ask him how he feels. Uh, Griffal said he was cautious with Ander Anderson, who sprained his left knee in April, another day, uh, making sure we keep him healthy the rest of the year. I don't think he needs a mental break, just a physical break. Timmy's going to take off here pretty soon. He's feeling good and has had some really good swings yesterday. He had some good work for the last couple of days. He's going to take off. He didn't need a mental break, physical break, get some treatment, and be ready to go tomorrow. So if all goes well, we should see Tim Anderson in the lineup tomorrow. We've seen Tim Anderson get an off day on Sunday. I also don't understand this because what Chuck and Ozzy were mad about was that they didn't talk to him or that, you know, he didn't get the full day off on Father's Day. But he said, I think he's doing okay. I talked to him. And didn't ask him about the thing he left the game for yeah, didn't the ask day him before? About his arm. Oh, just asking him about personal shit instead of your job. Hey, Tim, 
How's the shoulder feeling today? You think you can give me a couple of it, bats today? But if it's an off day, it's, it, isn't it just an off day? I mean, it we've is. seen him get Sundays off. It is, but, like, you know how Pedro likes to use it. Like, you've got an off day, but you don't have an off off day. Hey, your team, your, your shoulder all right? Just to get knowledge, like, can we use you in this situation? Yasmani's at second. We want a pinch run. Can we use you? Type of thing. At least a little update. Ask the trainers. Ask somebody. At least be a knowledgeable about your team. And as somebody put, like, it's uh, Terry Christ. It's simple to, as four chances to three. Plus, uh, plus a power hit at eight is stupid unless your lineup is stacked. And the White Sox lineup is well, not stacked at all. And who's before him? Another power hitter. Exactly. And Vaughn is supposed to be, too. I guess he's supposed to get on base, but no one does uh, on this Apparently, team. that's Yasmani, too, who's in front of that guy, too. So, it doesn't make sense any way you slice it. I just want Pedro to say... I'm doing this because I feel like I am right, and that's it. Not because Tim's coming, not because this guy's got to show good. No, I feel with my gut and just say, this is my gut reaction. This is not based on stats. This is not based on uh, my coaches in my ear. I just like my guys, and I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt instead of actually looking exactly what they are because he in that thing said that Tim's looking good and he doesn't need a mental day off. What have you been looking at? We've watched these games, and I am as close to a, a big Tim Anderson fan as you're going to get. I call him out on his crap, and but when he does well, I celebrate the fuck out of it because Tim is a player of this White Sox team and this rebuild that is the key for this White Sox rebuild to to succeed or fail. And so watching these games versus the Dodgers in the first game versus the Mariners, you didn't think that Tim needed a mental day off or some type of day off where he can regather and refocus on what he's doing, where he's throwing balls to the second baseman who's not on second base because he doesn't expect the ball to come to him where there's an easy out at first. You think Tim didn't need a day off there? It's cool not to say it to the media. I get that. But it's bullshit if you're not talking to Tim and saying, what you're doing here is not helping our team. Get your head right, and let's help and contribute to a victory. Something. If you're just letting Tim be Tim and let him go through this as he has, you're not doing your job. You're a grown man supposed to be leading these other grown men. And if you can't have a tough conversation with Tim and tell him he's not doing what you expect and what he needs to do, and you're off today because I don't think you're ready to play, get your head right, then you're not doing your job. Because all of us as White Sox fans have seen Tim Anderson fall below where he needs to be, both mentally and physically. And so you say he doesn't need a mental day off, you're not watching. He did need a mental day off. And I hope this inspires him. I hope tomorrow when the lineup comes out, you do not have him at leadoff. Or second, you have him drop down the order. So he can earn his way back up to the top of the order. Those spots are earned, and that man's hitting currently with an OPS below 600. That can't that can't ride at the top of the order. I hear with you. I hear you. Um, I, I'm fine with Tim Anderson getting a day off. I don't really care the reason. I mean, he's just playing poorly right now. If they wanted to get Zach Remillard some at bats, that's fine. Ugh, bat, no, bat a mate. No, bat a mate. I don't care. No, um, don't give Zach Zach Remillard. Games. He had a great game. Today was a good reward. He showed you why he's... Give him the reward of starting. Of my leader. Start him and bat him nine. Yes. Oh, what? Oh, perfect. Uh, I don't... Oh, we're going to give him the reward of the century. He's going to get four at-bats for a team clawing to a victory. And, and this motherfucker... Sorry to be... <laughs> Oh, that Rash. person who gave me that four-star review is going to be pissed at I, you. You know, and, and the, the guy who said, I don't like Sean wearing shorts, is going to be really pissed off because we're both showing off our beautiful legs. Mm, the games. But I, I, I am upset, and we're going we're to talk a little bit more about my scale and where I'm sitting at, I, I, and i got to bounce some things off her. But okay. I, I do need to talk a little bit more to Pedro and, and what he said about Mike Clevenger mm. and Monday's starter. Probably fuzzier. That's why I don't want to get too ahead of myself. We have to win this game today. We have to put ourselves in position to win. And once we're done with this one, we have a two-and-a-half-hour flight to figure out how we're going to get by tomorrow. Whether it's adding another piece, subtracting one, or maybe the ones who don't pitch today pitch tomorrow, I'm not sure. 
But the day off on Thursday plays a factor in this. We have three games to cover, and we have a day off. We'll see. We have to win this game today. Zach Remillard, go lead us to victory. I mean, I think the glass is breaking for Pedro. I talked about this. He's hyped up Aloy Jimenez and his ability to play the outfield, play seven out of the ten games we haven't seen him since. Right? I, I think we're seeing the glass break on the actual state of this team. We are now seeing those drills where they put you know barriers in front of the BP pitcher for this team to elevate the ball. Um, and I, I just find that funny where you really don't notice what's going on with your team. James Feagan just reported that Jake Berger would love to be in the home run derby, that he wouldn't be afraid of his swing being affected because that's his swing in BP. Right? I mean, Jake Berger doesn't need your bullshit fucking drills, my man. He doesn't. Like, he is a quality major league hitter. And you need to win a game, and you're looking at all your guys, the guys that are going to be playing for your team, and you bat Jake Berger eighth. I know I'm dwelling on this a lot, but I just think the glass is breaking because this West Coast trip must have killed him because they were in so many games, and just consistently, they were beat out with teams that are just smarter. And a lot of teams are smarter than the White Sox. And that might change next year. Uh, There's a piece... Uh, by Jim Margulis, and there was a report by Evan Drellich that Major League Baseball might limit the size of front offices, okay. which would be great for the White Sox. Um, yeah. Jim Margulis, in his piece, this is when the Dodgers were playing the White Sox, noted the size of the Dodgers' front office. 72 people. That's a lot. There's a quote That's why they win. that I pulled up, and this is when Pedro was hired. Um some this this man Dodd from uh well real quick this man Dodd from uh, the Athletic I, I don't have his name right now um Grafal spends his afternoon searching for data that validates decisions and performance evaluation we haven't heard any of it um but he seeks to marry an interest in stats with a background rooted in baseball and then also um what the A's said about the Royals in this piece they have a huge analytical department says Oakland general manager David Forst who pointed out that the Sabre Saber matriculally inclined A's could not lure away one of the Royals analysts a few years ago. And uh, Pedro said, I love combining old-fashioned gut feel and looking at large sample numbers to see how they match. Um, I just find it funny that you then look at the size of the Royals front office, and this doesn't include the people in business and all that, 86 people. (laughs) They have 47 people in baseball operations alone. How many people underneath Kenny Williams are there in the White Sox organization? Uh, this is just purely a guess. I would say 20. 43. So the Royals, in baseball oh operations alone, have 47. The White Sox have 43 people. Royals, I think people working on baseball alone, not just business, marketing, et cetera, 86. Dodgers have 72. Um, and the 86 includes, like, medical staff and everything. This team spends $185 million on players with the expectations that they are just going to be good. Pedro Grafal is taking all of this talent and just trying to get wins, trying anything, trying putting up these barriers in front of the BP, trying to give you all these reasonings, but you don't hear any of the reasonings. You don't hear any of the actual data, right? Because he doesn't have the same team that he had in Kansas City. He doesn't have the same freedom to focus on projects and try to turn them up. What we've heard from Vinny, and it's great reporting, is that he's going around to the relievers being like, hey, you're great. I mean, like, I think that's all he's got to work with. He doesn't have a true staff that is up to snuff to other real major league teams mm-hmm. because the White Sox think that they could find the, the best of the best, the first rounders with all that talent. Let's polish them off and put them in the lineup and bat them eighth. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go to the Jim Margulis uh, screenshot, though. And, and I thought this was interesting just because, again, talking about the size of the Royals, the Dodgers, and the White Sox, um, Jim wrote, Jerry Reinsdorf's White Sox have tended to only invest in the things that they can see. They were among the league's lowest spenders in the draft in international markets when both were unregulated, but the league bailed them out by instituting budgets with punitive overage penalties. It's like that cap on front office spending would be the only way to pull the White Sox up to legal average levels in this area. Rick Hahn has maintained that the White Sox front office listing doesn't reflect everybody doing work for them, but their, quote, quiet, unquote, approach has gone generally uh, has generated equally faint results so there's no reason to give them the benefit of the doubt here so you know while Rickon's saying oh our, our listing of 43 people isn't real because we have freelancers or whatever the White Sox don't have enough help in their organization their medical staff isn't up to snuff their baseball operations isn't up to snuff their scouting isn't up to snuff and I think Pedro Griffel is cracking 
because who is here to save the day? Not his guy, Hans or Alberto. No, 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 no. Zach Remillard. We're yeah. batting him second, baby. Do you think, and as wild speculation by me, that Jerry Reinsdorf had something to do with the international markets being regulated now? Probably. And that the fact that they're cracking down on big-time front office uh, employees because the White Sox can compete then. They can hire the amount, the 40 people they have under Kenny Williams and be, okay, we can compete now. We're, we have a, a cap. We know the, how many guys, that we, guys and girls that we need, and no one can go above that. We'll be close to that. Like, if it's 50, we'll be at 50, 45 type of thing. I can feel Jerry Reinsdorf's hands all over this, making sure the White Sox can compete the way he wants to compete. Because we saw in his interview he did with the, with the sports business uh, initiative earlier in L.A. with Rachel Nichols doing the uh, emceeing, he wants to win only the way he wants to win. And he was poo-pooing the, the efforts of the Padres, the Mets, and other teams who are spending money to win games and also spending money on their analytics department to actually help their players go from A to B. The White Sox are not interested in any of that stuff. As we see, how many White Sox players actually get better from when they were drafted to now in the major leagues. Like, how long have we heard about Jared Kelly? Like, is he ever going to go anywhere? Like, Dahlquist, is he ever going to go anywhere? We had Cespedes get picked up a couple years ago. Is he going anywhere? How long did we have Michael Rodolfo before he aged out? Like, all the players that the White Sox have had, and in this game, you had Jared Kelnick drafted sixth in the same draft that Nick Magical has drafted two players before him. Like, what are we doing here? Like, what are you, how are you doing these resources? How are you employing these resources to get the better player and to develop the player after you get them? Because I've heard Nick Magical is supposed to be smart, hit the ball well, field the ball well. None of that stuff happened. Well, I mean, real quick, uh, what, there's 43 people in the White Sox front office? Yeah. Who, who is, who's the one guy that you think has done a good job? I would say there's one guy who's done a, a great job. Mike over Shirley. Really? I was just saying Marco Patti. Just yeah. because you get Aloha Jimenez, you get Luis Robert. Well, Aloha Jimenez was tra- uh, the trade. Uh, Luis Robert Jr. Um, now I'm blanking on all the other names. Um, Luis Robert, Robert Jr. is a pretty good one, though. Um, but, like, I mean, that's the guy that's I getting mean, awarded Colas, as. Uh, Colas. Vera. Right? Vera. Not there anymore. Um, I mean, he's there, but he's not on the team. Um, but, yes, uh, Mike Shirley, because I think his drafts are better than Hostedler. They're better than what they were Do you before. Know still in the organization? He is. Nick Hostedler. Yeah. Yeah, they don't fire people. Oh. They just reassign them to a different spot. Or they hire Kenny Williams Jr. Exactly. And so, Stupid like, where team. are you? Like, they hired Chris Getz with no experience to be some minor league guy. Now he's in charge of the whole goddamn minor leagues. Chris Getz. Do you see anything turning over? Are they going to introduce Zach Remillard as one of their successes after seven long years? Are they going to introduce Jake Berger as one of their successes? Or is Jake Berger just like, hey, I had two life-changing injuries where I was almost out of baseball. I just decided, F it, I'm going to be me. And it became him. And he became the player that he is now. And then the White Sox look at that and say, oh, we're going to bat you eighth. Exactly. We, we spent a 10th round pick on Zach Remillard. Oh, we're going to bat him second. Had a first round pick, Jake Berger, bad eighth. But you're second on the team in home runs, yeah, you're gonna bad eighth. And Sox Haps brings up Tatis, and I bring this up all the time. I think the best thing for Fernando Tatis is steroids. Sorry, and secondly, getting off this White Sox team because he was not in the major leagues. He wasn't in the minor league system of the White Sox at that time, stateside at least. And he went to the Padres, and I think their system developed him to the player that he is now. And like I said, the first thing, too, also helped him out. But I don't think Tatis is going to be this guy if he just stays with the White Sox the whole time. I don't think you know who Fernando Tatis Jr. is if he stays with the White Sox this whole time. This is part of the problem, that they don't develop talent that is right in their system. And they don't even recognize talent that's right in their system. And same thing with, like, kind of people parallel uh, Patrick Mahomes. If he would have came to the Bears at that time, that's why I feel about the Tatis situation. Patrick Mahomes would have been good, not great. Tatis, I don't even think you would know Tatis if he stayed in the White Sox system. You think Matt Nagy would have did some things with Patrick, Patrick Mahomes? I mean, he had him the first year. I mean, I mean, and, and how many games did he play? Okay, 
Two. Exactly. What I and then when he came out the second year, when not without Matt Nagy, balled I mean, out. I mean, Matt Nagy's back there right now. He, I mean, he's already he's already a champion by the time he's Matt the, Nagy got back. Don't get me started on this. He's the goat. He would have been good anywhere. Sometimes I just think mm. some people are really really talented, and I would just say that Patrick Mahomes and Fernando Tatis are just extremely talented, next level athletes, and I feel like no matter the situation, they probably would have been successful. Um, Less Tatis. Fer- Fernando Tatis has hit uh, 14 homers this year in 50 games. Done well. Uh, OPS a 913, an OPS plus a 153, a career OPS plus of 159. Uh, that's talent right there. I, I don't know. I know the steroids helped, but still. Very much so. Um, I don't know if he's currently on that. I think they tried to figure that out. Um, let's take a break. Herb, what are you drinking? Drinking some delicious Goose Island beer. You already gave him some love already. I did. CHGO is supported by Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago's beer since 1988. Herb went out to lunch yesterday and was introduced to the lovely Matilda beer. Yeah, it was. Mercy. I mean. Draft or a bottle? It was in a bottle. I don't know why you guys didn't tell me before. I know Sean's been doing these reads, and I hear Matilda, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to try Goose Island Matilda this time. I mentioned the Sophie. Mercy. I'm telling you guys, if you haven't tried Matilda, try it out. Yeah, and Sean says Sophie. He said, if you like Sophie, delicious. I'm going to tell you this is the Belgian-style uh, beer. Just perfect if you're out for any occasion. Like, some people like drinking in the winter. I thought it was like a nice, fruity summertime drink. It worked out, whatever you're drinking. I had some shishito peppers with it, and it opened up the fruitiness of the Matilda. Yeah. I'm on those beer snobs now. Oh, we are. Um, uh, the nose was this. It was... Uh, <laughs> A sense of uh, cedar wood in the back of your throat. Yeah, I, I really think that these people <laughs> should go try the Sophie, the Belgian style saison. Uh, it's an aged wine, hand juiced orange peel, or aged wine uh, with hand zested orange peel. Uh, you know, I mean, Herb, we are snobs. Uh, mm-hmm. You are enjoying the hazy beer hug as well. Um, and if if you are just uh, a classic. B E E R drinker. Uh, I am. I'm just reading the comments. Three one two Weedale. Uh, <laughs> that's that's our favorite every day. Uh, Goose Island beer. Uh, so check out an ultra fresh brewery exclusive beer at Goose Island's original brew house on Clybourne Avenue in Lincoln Park, or from their tap room on Fulton Street in Westtown. Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago's beer. Also going to let you know about ComEd. Herb, uh, don't worry, uh, I have it right here. Why don't you just read Reader One if you if you if you so would? I'm there. Wow. Yeah, there you go. You, right. you got it. Long distance. The ComEd Energy Efficiency Program is committed to helping families and businesses in the communities that they serve, helping manage energy usage and lower energy bills now and into the future, Sean. No way. They do. You know, I heard that ComEd offers a wide variety of incentives on lighting and other efficiency upgrades to commercial, industrial, and public sector customers of all sizes across the territory, but I didn't also know that they offer free facility assessments that can help find energy-saving opportunities like Mm -hmm. for HVAC systems, commercial kitchen equipment, or industrial processes. I didn't know that either, but how would that work, Sean? Well, an authorized engineer, Mm -hmm. ComEd authorized engineer, will work with you. To, de- to develop a detailed assessment plan specific to your goals and needs. And these can be done in person or virtually. It's the 2023. It's the digital age, folks. Uh, and lasts approximately two hours. Within three to four weeks, customers will receive a report detailing energy efficiency projects that they can start working on immediately. And each recommendation will include estimated energy savings, cost of savings, project costs, potential incentives, and simple payback. If you own a business, do not wait. Get started saving money and energy today. For energy saving tips, lighting incentives, or to schedule your free facility assessment, go to comed.com slash powering biz. Did you say comed.com slash powering biz? Yes. Schedule it today. All right. Um, titty boy. Titty boy. I'm um, sorry. Again, this is uh, for adults only, uh, I guess. Um, comments after that Benny weekend, let that hog hang herb. I like the uh, alliteration there. It is. Congratulations to Andrew Benatendi. His first career White Sox home knees run. knees in the way that. He I, did it. There it is. He did it, folks. <laughs> they lost the game 2-3, to three, but he did it. He homered, and the White Sox lost. Uh, he has hit one home run in his career with the White Sox, uh, and it took him longer than it did uh, Nick Madrigal to hit a home run. But Andrew Benatendi, number one in our hearts, number one. Uh, contract in franchise history. We are number so one in proud the lineup of you. too. Uh, number one in the lineup, our leadoff hitter. Um, you did it. I am so excited to see all of the five uh, more in your career. With nine more. We need nine more this year. This so, this year, I so said five in his career. With get to going. Get to going, Andrew. This homestand weather's great. It's the Texas Rangers who are actually good, and then the Boston Red Sox, your former team. 
Let's go. Three home runs this week, minimum. <laughs> what? Minimum. What you smoking? <laughs> you, hey. went, you went to Sunnyside and used our code, huh? Um, <laughs> mercy. I did. I did. CHGO25, oh, baby. Smoking that sativa and getting real creative over mm-hmm. there with three homers this week. Could you imagine? Could oh. you imagine if he hit three home runs, Herb? I would I would lose my damn mind. Um, I'm not going to make a bet with you because I already got 100 bucks coming my way. Um, but let's chat here, Herb, because I had a bit last year uh, based off our guy Steve Stone. Also, where is Steve Stone? Hashtag where is Steve Stone? Um, can we start that? Go get that trending, folks. Taking taking advantage of a great contract, apparently. Hey, it's um, like I ain't traveling at all. How about that? Cool break, <laughs> ready break. Um, so our guy Steve Stone put out. I think it was April twenty fifth, twenty twenty two. He said, "You can enjoy the ride, or you could be better." Okay, and since that tweet, the White Sox are one hundred and six and one sixteen, and now eleven games. Under 500 this year. I don't know if it's too early. Maybe I need to wait until the end of June, but feel free to pull up uh, the the scale here, uh, Stephen. I don't know where I should be sitting on the bitter scale, right? Uh, seven's a neutral, right? Mm-hmm. I, I feel like I'm, I'm at five right now. I, mean, I might even be at six where acidic urine is. Um, but I, I don't know. I feel like one is being bitter. Are we close to going off the scale here and becoming bitter? I mean, I feel like I have enough ammo. Oh, yeah. It's, it's past the time to be better. I'm right now at lemon juice, in between lemon and orange juice right now, two and three. Very bitter. Wow. Okay. Very All right. Bitter. We are getting close to stomach acid, got, folks. Yeah, bitter bear face. I, I think I might just do it. Uh, the White Sox, again, are 5-7 and seven, uh, in the 12 games against playoff teams. They have Texas, three games against Texas at home coming up. And then they got three against Boston and four Carmines. in L.A. Huh? The Carmines, you mean? Where's the Palos? Who's the Carmines? That's what the Red Sox, that's what the oh. Hawks used to call the, the Red Sox. I, Carmines? My bad. I, I had no idea. Um, Rico, Rico Petrocelli? Stretch. And they have kidney stones in 1969. <laughs> um, so, Sox have nine more games left okay. in June. Mm-hmm. Again, three at Texas, three against Boston, four against LA. That's 10. I don't know how to do my math. Um, and one more versus Oakland, too. No, I guess that counts. We're not going to count Oakland. Okay. We'll, we'll count against the good teams. It's 10 games. What's left. their record in the next five games or 10 games? Well, five and five. The White Sox, of course. You think they're going to win five games? Yes. I think this home series, they're going to lose two or three to the Texas Rangers, of course, because Texas is the second-best team in the American League. They're going to find a way to win two or three versus the Bo Sox. Oof. I think they they can do that. So right there, they're back to 500. And then guess what they're going to do in Anaheim? Split. Exactly. All right. I, I don't know. Um, we'll, we'll see, folks. I, it's four games, so we're – Probably not going to miss Otani pitching. Which they did miss last exactly. time. So, um, you know, we'll see if the White Sox get better. Otani, he of 23 home runs and top 10 strikeouts as a pitcher. And uh, he's got a ton of home runs, too. Yeah, I want you good. people to understand, like, when they compare him to Babe Ruth, that's a fallacy. He's better player overall than Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth wasn't shit. Babe folks. Ruth only played pitch twice, two years. Babe Ruth went up against plumbers. Yes. Shohei Otani's going up against professional athletes. Exactly. And he's doing this and making them look silly. Like, one of the best pitchers or one of the hardest throwers in baseball is Hunter Green. He tried in the minor leagues to do the same thing, and they're like, nah, we're good. Same thing with Brendan McKay for the Tampa Bay Rays. Trying to do the same thing of batting and pitching. Can't. Uh, Michael Lorenzen, uh, you keep, you'll see him get an occasional at bat when he was a red. Didn't do it. He this guy and pleads to do it. This guy is a top five hitter, and I know not this year he's not a top five or top ten pitcher, but do you want to face him? No, you don't. I think in OPS he's in the top 30 as a pitcher. So he's just I think he's just as good as Lucas Giolito as a pitcher. He's better. And a top, I mean, this year. He's better. ERA-wise and uh, uh, F4-wise, I think they're around the same area. I don't if know. If I think correctly, if I research that correctly. And then he's a top-five hitter. So Giolito's ERA-plus is 123. Otani's is 132. 
So Otani leads the league in hits per nine and strikes out and has struck out eleven and a half per yes. nine. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, and think about Giolito's going on the free agent market with him. Yeah, that same guy. And y'all think about paying him four hundred million? Yeah, Lucas Giolito only four hundred million won't be set in that market, folks. I think only four hundred million. He's he's the best hitter on the on the on the available pitchers or hitters and the best pitcher. So pay him whatever you want. Somebody's like, I was like, blank check it. Somebody's like, mm, that's a little dubious. Like, why? You gonna bring the Japan market in? He's gonna be the best hitter and best pitcher. What's what's to lose? Nothing. I mean, if he gets hurt, he gets hurt. But you still have Shohei Itani wearing your cap when he goes in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, that guy's just built different. Um, Sox half says four and six over the next ten. Shyrak Bobby says three and seven. I tend to agree with Shyrak Bobby. Um, I they go three and seven. That's game over. Then I think they win one against each team. Wow, that's about it. Um, three or four. They lose three or four to the Angels. I mean, you see how Pedro is. I mean, you see how excited he is to work every single day. I mean, I, he's just giving up and pissed I off at us. Do but I it's also our fault. I also see eight to two lead by the Angels the other day to the Kansas City Royals in Kansas City, yeah. and then getting walked off by a guy making his major league debut or getting his first major league hit. That's baseball. The other day, remember when the White Kansas Sox, City Royals? Remember when the White Sox scored seven runs against the Rays in I do. one inning? Um, yeah, that was fun. Came back and got the dub. Yeah, uh, but that's what they the, were one in six against them, right? That is what the Angels do. They love to give up big time leads and have Shohei Itani do something great and have Mike Trout do something great. Less this year because Trout's having an off year, only OPSing in the eight hundreds. What a bum! Um, <laughs> He'll get right against this team. Yeah, but they like to lose games. Love it. Love to lose games when they have their two superstars do work. Yeah. Uh, and I just feel like, you know, the White Sox are just not going to have that luck. You know, okay. they're probably, you know, 7-21 and 21 when uh, Trout and Otani homers, but probably the two games that, you know, there's, you know, five of the seven games that they won where they both homered was against the White Sox. Um, so, Hello, yeah, Ellie. I don't know. Uh, and shout out to everybody hanging out with us. We really appreciate it. Make sure you're hitting that thumbs up button. We have surpassed not only – uh, Lance Lynn's strikeouts on the day, but we are getting near his jersey number of 33. Uh, we're at 31. Uh, Javi Vasquez? Dare Ugh. I say? Uh, I, I don't know if that was 31. Maybe. But you can go Liam Hendricks right now. That's true. Ah, uh, We're at 32. Javi already. was 33. Yeah. He was 31 with the Yankees. Darn. Anyways, that's going to do it for the CHGO White Sox postgame show. That's Herb Lawrence. He's going to give Shohei Otani $600 million uh, of his own personal money. More. He's also going to give me $100 when uh, Andrew Benatendi doesn't reach 10 Literally, if I, won the, if I won the billion-dollar Powerball, Megaball, I would buy a team and then immediately give it to Shohei Otani. I think it's a smart investment. Um, Just, you, like, take the $300 million in my pocket. You can follow the uh, millionaire Herb Lawrence on Twitter, at Ecknerwall23. He's our CHGO White Sox community leader. I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter, at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Yikes. Uh, and you can follow Steven Nicholas, uh, our producer, uh, somewhere. Uh, thank you for producing the show, though. Um, I, <laughs> I mean, he's not on Twitter. I mean, he is on Twitter, but he's not on Twitter. He's not active. Um, and we will be joined tomorrow by our beat writer, Vinny Duber, who will be out at Guarantee Rate Field. You can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber. Lance Lynn ties the franchise record for most strikeouts in the game. And the White Sox lose. <laughs> uh, we'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> Go Sox!